2: welcome to wood talk now here are three guys who can never resist a good butt joint joke mark shannon and matt
1: all right that's so true uh, isn't it awesome all right. it's wood talk number 365 for oh, march 13th man. 2017 on today's show we're talking about chisel recommendations for the noob when to stop face jointing static explosions oh no and movement in manufactured furniture. And I want to mention today's show is sponsored by Bruso Hardware. Be sure to check out Bruso's new Photo Extra newsletter. This is a weekly update from Bruso dedicated to customer submitted photos. Bruso's customers work on detailed projects, including ring boxes, humidors, keepsakes, gun boxes, and furniture. It's an excellent source of inspiration for your next project. The newsletter is short, quick, has great photos, and is delivered right to your inbox. To sign up, visit brusso.com slash photo extra. That's all one word, com slash photo extra. And I'll tell you what else you should do. You should go to their website and look at their hinges, and once you wipe the drool from your lips, make a purchase, because it will blow your mind. We've talked about them many times on the show. They make fantastic products, the highest quality hardware I've ever worked with, and uh, you know, and I've got pretty expensive tastes. Uh, I've got a beer budget and a, what is it? Champagne taste in a beer budget or something? Stupid, <laughs> oh, stupid saying like nice. that? <clears throat> Actually, I'm more of a milk guy. I don't really like champagne. Oh. Okay. So yeah, good stuff. Go check them out Best slash
2: tastes on our harbor freight budget. Oh, that's a good one. I want a t-shirt like with that on
1: it. I like that. <laughs> Although I am sitting on this Honda money, it's uh frankly it's giving me a little bit of chafing uh at this point, but
2: yeah, but it's not Jaguar money.
1: That's true. It could be I or could have Sadie's more. money or I could have a fluffier bed of cash than I have now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Talk to me when you have Aston Martin money. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, probably never.
1: Um, okay, where the heck are our Patreons? You know, we,
2: sh- we should take a second to say that we do broadcast this show live. It <laughs> yeah, shows up we don't on mention it much. YouTube, and if you were watching it live, you got to watch Matt basically pantomime um, <laughs> while Mark was reading that ad. Nice. Which, to me, basically, I can I can die now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was all you needed in life, right? You've seen so, everything. Yeah,
2: These I, are the things
1: you miss out if I, you don't
2: catch us live. Yeah,
1: but I miss out on it because I'm busy reading.
0: So I'm not even was, looking at the little uh, thumbnail size. I was where to see like, where, where, were your, where your eyes were going. If they're going to come back to the Skype call or not, everybody's going to stay <laughs> on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I
1: just I got to get this together. I can't, uh, I can't multitask. Uh, okay, where oh, are come we? Come on. We're thanking. The people. Northeast <laughs> is
2: in the middle of a nor'easter, people. You're not working right now. Yeah, Don't you should be sitting around listening to the woods. You should talk be watching us live.
1: If you still have internet. Who knows, maybe people's uh, power has gone out. Um, so yeah, you did mention this live thing. So it's youtube.com slash woodtalk slash live. And we broadcast there as well as on our Facebook page. So if you want to catch the show live, you can usually subscribe to those things to get notifications. And uh, you could you know hear me drop an F-bomb like I did in the first few seconds, <laughs> which I hope just didn't make it into the feed. Uh, way to go, Mark. Good job okay oh. so we have some people to thank if you want to support us cursing in front of people um it's at <laughs> patreon.com slash how he lumps
2: us into this support us cursing hey, you say guys are one. guilty
1: by association Constantly
2: man cursing. you guys <laughs> I'm are here
1: to... you're here voluntarily you know <laughs> it's true <really>? it's like, <laughs> i posted i posted that picture of uh, on facebook did you guys see that of the work thong it's basically like a car oh, yeah. tool belt, yes. but it's a yes. thong, so it's just a picture of a dude's butt cheeks, and Nicole made this <laughs> joke uh about you know that 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 mine would be much hairier or something like that, and I had to remind her that look, I was born with this hairy butt Well, my butt it got hairy as I got older, not when I was a baby um I had a smooth baby butt. But uh, she chose to marry and marry into that hairy butt. So it was a choice for her. It wasn't a choice for me. So just like you guys, you have a choice to be on the show and you choose to hang around a Cretan like me. So guilty by association.
0: I guess our wives have that in common. Yeah, I, right I, see that I, what's wrong with them Matt?
1: they That's, married into the they're very uncomfortable with this mind.
2: analogy right now
1: <laughs> just because you're a, like a, a hairless uh you know pre, right. pre-pubescent teen i don't want to hear yeah. about it your butt. let's see it oh, wait, aren't we here to do a woodworking show i'm pretty sure we are oh uh, yeah this uh yeah this- this yeah, has gone off We the started with an
2: F-bomb, so we might as well go to nudity now. So. Yeah,
1: uh, it's fine. Um, okay, so we're going to thank a few folks who helped <laughs> us out over at Patreon, patreon.com slash woodtalk. And uh, these folks um, signed up for one of the various levels that you could uh, contribute. And Joshua Cohen uh, is one of them. Let me get to my main list here. Uh, John and Mike Gurgura, Dan Swiesdell. Man, I'm going to butcher these. Emmett, Eli, Harvey, Brotman, Tony Gregory, Christopher K. Robert Cashman, Brian Lurch, Robert DeMarco, Eric Cole, uh, Mike Rollinger, Tyler Spadey, and Richard Hamp. So thank you, folks. We really appreciate your support. It really cheers us up when we see those little Patreon donations come in. We go, yay, we're doing something right. And, and watch Great. them all. Watch them all go away today. <laughs> after this show, <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Easy come, much, easy go. Too much butt talk. Too much yeah. butt talk. Yeah. Seriously, well, wait.
2: We, we started with a butt joint joke. Yeah. And <laughs> now moved on to the <laughs> Wait till you hear
1: so. we, the voicemail we have later, where some guy explains how I almost ruined his friendship and uh, caused all kinds of problems for him. So it's good stuff. Mm. Wow. Fringe, so don't costume. turn it off. don't no. Turn the show no, off. No. That's a little teaser. Yeah. We've I'm burying, burying the lead here. Okay. Also so don't skip forward. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get into- That's clickbait, damn you. <laughs> yeah, we had our clickbait conversation this weekend, didn't we? Um, okay, <laughs> what's on the bench? I finished my trestle table. It is complete. It is sitting in the kitchen and uh, being used happily by the family. It uh, it was definitely a success. It's probably one of the more uh, on-target builds. Like, we really needed this, it w- and it solved some serious problems and just like creature comfort problems uh, in our kitchen, and uh, it it's working out really well. I really like it. Um aside from that I've been distracted for the last 5 days because of my wife's appendix which uh apparently didn't get the memo that it's you know supposed to work and she had to get an appendectomy emergency uh surgery on Saturday and then had a uh cdiff infection after that point Ooh, yeah so not good
2: not good not at good. all so she's Break out the probiotics.
1: Yeah, exactly. So she's been in the hospital for uh, several days, probably will be there for a couple days more. And I'm trying to, uh, thankfully my mother-in-law is, is here. She flew in to help out, uh, which is a huge help because I've been on like, tr- you know, 24 seven daddy duty with the two kids and uh, everything's fine. The house hasn't burned down. So we're, we're in good shape, but uh, it's nice to have some help <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, it's been kind of crazy. And, um, Lastly, I am now going to be moving into the design of.
0: Oh God! I thought I I was. That's exactly what I was was thinking. Oh my God! I missed
1: it. Where are you moving now? Oh no 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 no! No. I'm Uh, not getting ready to move anywhere. I'm moving. (laughs) I'm mentally moving into my next project, and uh, and that's going to be a dining chair. So, I'm really trying to design a dining chair. Like, obviously, comfort is huge, but I really actually want this to be uh, fairly. Vanilla, in a sense. I'm not going out on any crazy, you know, design adventures on this one. I want this to be a classic dining room chair that fits in just about any, you know, decent modern decor. You know, I, th- I want it to be sort of a chameleon that can move into whatever types of furniture someone might have, uh, use a different species, you know, get a different look with it, but fairly basic and approachable. Because chairs can be intimidating, you know, if you haven't done one before. So I'd like to limit the crazy you know, joinery that can sometimes uh, be involved with a chair build. If the legs are angled just a certain way and, you know, especially if you have bent slats and things like that on them and a curved headrest, Uh, these are all things that really complicate the build. So I'm going to have to try to balance, you know, good looking,
2: but not being too complicated. So that's uh, partially what I'll be jumping into today. So I think, I think it's also interesting because there's some gorgeous dining chairs out there, but what I always wonder is you always see like a single, beautifully designed dining chair. What does it look like when there's six of them?
1: Yeah. You know, could it be too like, much,
2: right? Yeah. That's what I wonder. I often, I often, you wonder if maybe you need to almost strive for understated just because it's going to be times six yeah. or however many, I mean, I think usually aren't, isn't six kind of the standard number for four around the table or I, would I say know so. in our dining room, we have two, I'm going to be building of six, in the
1: actually I'm yeah. building six, but I'm because I, I have to draw the line at some point and <laughs> like six is enough. <laughs> uh, we actually are going to be using these at two tables. I'll be using it at the trestle table, um, probably two of them there. And then I'll put the other four with the gaming dining table. So, yeah, it's it's it, and I agree. I think if you put like, have you seen um, not Maloof's rocker, but just like the regular chair? I think there's like a Malouf low back like the chair. Like a low
2: back. Yeah, like, the low back chair. And chairs.
1: I see what you're saying. Put like six or eight of those around a table. Is that too much? Like the, the, does yeah. it lose something if you have too many? That's a really good point. It's a really good I excuse know, um, not to uh, not to do more work.
2: Yeah, there you go. I've seen it. um, I've seen Nakashima's conoid chair in on mass like that Um, at Hearn Hardwoods. They have a conference table upstairs Mm -hmm. and it's surrounded. I think there's like eight of them and that actually works. But again, that's a very clean line, understated design chair. I'm thinking of like, um, uh, what's his name? Jeff Miller. got Cool stuff with great lines and like lumbar curves and all that. And it's like, that's so cool. But would it look cool with six of them? yeah, exactly. be yeah. meant much. It's interesting, although I do think you should um build a chair making wood shop and move into that just for this build.
1: I should you know, because I've got nothing else going on. I may yeah. as well do that. What? um, you know, here's the funny thing too, with a design of something like this. Uh, it, it's almost I don't know, with a chair. I don't really want to reinvent the wheel, you know. So I think if anyone embarks on a on a build like this and you're trying to design something and put your own spin on it, um I don't would you would you guys just start with a blank piece of paper or would you cuz like my approach is to find a chair. You know what I mean? Yeah, like find yeah. a chair that I like, that I feel is comfortable, the height feels good, uh and actually just Quote unquote, borrow elements from that because I just feel like this is stuff that's been so well defined and worked out to accommodate the human body. Like why am I going to try and figure this all out and make a you know a, a cardboard prototype to make sure my knees are bending in the right spot? like there's you know there's no shortage of chairs around me. I should be able to figure this out and borrow concepts and just basic information and then put my spin on it. You know so I mean I'm half tempted to even maybe go to a furniture store and see if I could buy like a chair that's pretty close to what I want and then just kind of borrow some information from it and uh, take it back and say, "My wife hated it. I, I'd like to return this, please."
2: Oh, no, I don't even think you should go that far. Just show up with the tape measure and pencil and paper. They love that.
1: Brian, Brian Benham, <laughs> uh, the guy that does my uh, SketchUp drawings, he he made that suggestion. He's like, just he actually suggested bringing some paper in to draw some like templates and then just run out oh, nice. the door. <laughs> so not even just the tape measure and a camera, but like paper oh, templates.
0: Let me get some rubbings of this uh, piece of furniture. You guys, you guys mind? Hold on. <laughs>
2: like, uh, sir, what are you doing? It's okay. I'm leaving. Your yeah. response to Brian should be, yeah, you come with me and distract them while I go do
1: this. Well, I'll be the driver and uh, I'll, I'll stand outside.
2: Keep the engine running. Yeah, uh, It's good stuff. Nice. All right. Well, you know, I think, I think the whole chair thing, I mean, we talk about, you know, form and function. But <clears> isn't that kind of like where that's most important? Like it's yeah. a chair. Like if if when you sit on it, it's not comfortable, then fail. You kind of like yeah, it's a major fail. I don't care how pretty it looks. Mm. You know, if it's cutting off the circulation to your legs, that's probably a bad thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt, what do you got
0: going on? Working on my son's bed. It's been uh, yeah, yeah, been fun. Yeah, I um, I used a draw knife for the first time. That was so really? fun. Really, I
1: saw you asking it's, questions about draw knives. So uh, what what how are you, how are you using it? Just to to do what specifically uh, remove, in the project? Remove
0: uh, bark. No, debark. De- uh, I was going to say, are you going to
1: give me like the ass answer, like when you asked me uh, what I went to college for?
0: <laughs> I want to learn. <laughs>
1: what are you using that for? Uh, to remove <laughs> wood.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, for for cutting stuff. For cutting stuff. You know, like you, you know. do. I'm using it for draw knifing. usual stuff,
0: you know, shaving. You yeah. know,
2: straight razor. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, you used it to make Damascus steel on the side of the wood because that's know. what that looked like. It's, it's that. A- it's it really
0: wicked. it really is cool looking like on. I did like a practice one last week or whenever that was. I don't know. Sometime later last week on uh, one of these spots you won't see. So I went all the way down to like the the bare wood all the way through the bark. Mm-hmm. And when I was drawing, I think I went pretty aggressively. So I went through both layers of the bark in one pass um, pretty quickly. And then I cleaned up the surface with a scratch scotch brite pad on an uh, angle grinder. So that's so that side. It's like completely cleaned up it's like the, what you would normally see is live edge or it's just like wood looking. Mm-hmm. And um, I went up there yesterday and I was just kind of playing around I'm like I have to say the draw knife is very addictive. Like I just want mm. to I don't know what I'm going to use it on, but I'm just going like to find some stuff and start going to town with it because it's so much fun to use. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's one of those tools where it's like, this is fun. I can't explain it. Leave me alone. I'm going to do it.
2: Yeah. Something Whatever. very primitive about it taps into your inner thread it does it does (laughs) it's i think what it is too because like you can you
0: can vary the angles so interestingly like uh forward and back and side to side they get skew on it as well different size shavings and like you're actually getting some like exercise as you're pulling through the cut it's just a lot of fun it kind of reminds me almost like green turning where it's just like green turning is a lot of fun you're taking a big cut like fancy big giant shavings are coming off i don't know there's something about it just a lot of fun if you haven't tried Using a draw knife that's, like, sharp, I would definitely suggest trying it. <laughs> There's it's the key aspect yeah. right there. If it's not, sure it might not be it's quite It's not as so fun. much
2: fun when it's not. I,
0: I can't imagine the thing would be nearly as much fun if it was dull.
2: Yeah. No, just Not so much. say saying. Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> then it be, then it becomes a fro, and it just splits wood out at that, that point. right. <laughs> what did you end up getting, by the way? Was that a Lee Nielsen shave? Yeah, I got the Lee Nielsen curve okay. shave. Nice, sweet, nice I, you I know I guess, I've heard good things
1: I sort of yeah. you know it's like a power tool analog in a sense, but I get a, a similar satisfaction out of power carving, and uh, it's a lot louder and a lot dustier, but just something that removes wood in an effortless way, you just feel like you could just keep going all day until there's just nothing left to it just because it was fun to to turn that wood into you know to pulverize it and turn it into dust, or mm-hmm. in, you know your case, nice shavings and stuff like that, but I think yeah, there is something about that just fluidity of the green wood. I think the turning is a perfect example, just a, a sort of effortless removal and shaping of wood.
2: Live edge toothpicks. Yeah. There you go. There's a dot whole com.
1: <laughs> ah, there you go. 12 bucks down the drain.
0: Slabs to toothpicks.com.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so anyway, on the bed, instead of using the going all the way down to live edge, I left the inner <clears> layer of the bark because as I was going, I'm like, "This is beautiful." I cannot remove this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't really explain it. It's a post over on my Instagram with a picture of it, but it's just like, it's like grain, almost. I'm telling you, it looks like Damascus steel. I'm a look now. That's, I it's guess, awesome. that's the best. The best, um, I don't know, way to describe it, but it just looks like really cool wood grain on the edge of a board. It's the artisanal way of describing it. There you go. It's very artisanal. I don't Damascus know. I just I absolutely love the look. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with that. Oh, dude, the, I'm looking uh, at
1: that now. Holy smokes! It looks like a snakeskin
0: or a, yeah, like a snakeskin yeah. pattern.
1: That's fantastic.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna leave that on the um, on the live edge. It's gonna be up on the headboard and the footboard, and the one that I showed in the picture there. That's gonna be the bottom of the rails, which you're never you're not gonna see it. So that's why I kind of did that one first to kind of get an idea of what's gonna look like. But, how uh, how deep yeah. do
1: you expect that layer to be? Like. Could you accidentally about, go a little too far and oh
0: yeah. go through? Yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's like about sixteenth.
1: Okay, so you oh. gotta be real careful.
0: Yeah. Like you'll you'll hit it at, you'll start hitting it around an eighth of an inch left of bark, and then you kind of really get it look looking pretty good around sixteenth. And it's actually pretty firm or pretty hard for being bark still. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too worried about a denting, especially once I guess like a coat of finish on there, it should harden up a little bit too. But it, it actually I think it'll be pretty durable and then after i go over with the draw knife it's a little bit rough of a texture like because you have all the facets from the draw knife mm-hmm. i still go over really lightly with the scotch brite on the grinder and that kind of evens things out and kind of smooths it out but oh man i'm really like this this bed project is like i said in the beginning this is like my my experimentation project of things i'm just like i'm I'm just gonna do kinds of weird stuff and just do whatever i want see how it works you know i'll learn something good or bad this is shaping up pretty good so far, I have yeah, to say.
1: That's good. It's nice when you're rewarded for for that. It's it, I mean, it's good to learn lessons when you that's screw true. up, but it's a lot more fun when things work out.
2: Right. Nice. Stupid lesson. Now I've got to start over. Seriously. <laughs> right on. Awesome. Well, it's great that uh, you're like not doing metalworking anymore.
0: Oh, man. So. I have to tell you about that, too. It is – I don't know how to describe it. It's, I know my true passion is definitely not – not Steel metal, not blacksmithing. It is not. it is not
1: nice. I'm putting it's you guys great. on Instagram right now.
0: Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> there we go. You're part Dude, of my story. Forever.
1: I went to look at Matt's uh, picture and then I got totally distracted with my own BS. <laughs>
2: seriously so there you go. It's so meta. You're like doing a show within a show right Hold now. Hold on, it's guys. Terrible. I'm doing social.
1: Oh, wait, should I be live streaming this right now? <laughs> yeah, actually, why not? We should all <laughs> do our own live stream and people can put, you know, all of them together if they want to.
2: Let's, let's not even joke about that. You know, that's like the next layer. It you is. know, as big as live is right now. Now it's going to be live streaming of live, you know, like like the, um, what do you call The DVD extras in a right. movie, yep. you know, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be the live stream extras thing.
1: Now, well, like in you know? uh, the early days of uh, DVD, when a, f- a few well they're let's just say they're a little unsavory a few uh, unsavory titles would offer multiple video angles do you remember when they yes. did that initially yes. right and it was like a gimmicky thing that just never caught on but you could actually watch the production from a different angle <laughs> <laughs> right
2: so why is nobody looking at the camera what's
1: going on yeah
2: so kind of crazy <laughs> All right, Shannon. What do you got going on? Oh, I've been a slacker. I gotta, I gotta say, talking, hanging out with you guys makes me feel inadequate. That's all. I can say. <laughs> well, I mean, Mark's, Mark's finishing. I was so proud of the fact that I finished, uh, you know, my project like in you know the second week of January. <laughs> Mark's now built a trestle table. And, you <laughs> know, Matt's, Matt's sawn up an entire forest into boards. That's all right. And he's actually and a getting a fine from the from the federal <laughs> government. Right, and I started G-frame working station. on this simple little like eight hour ram tang project like four weeks ago, <laughs> and I just
1: finished it <laughs> hey you get some slack, dude, you've got a day job, yeah, this
2: is our yeah, day job but uh it it's it's cool. I had a chance to to break it in and use it last night, but i um I really almost screwed the pooch on this ram tang really um, it and if you're not familiar with it it it's think of a moxon vice. So you've got, you know, a moving jaw that clamps things in place. The Ram Tang the same, but it's just a very low profile thing. So the front jaw is actually fixed. It's glued into the little cross pieces, the arms or the rails that the jaw slides on. Um, the back jaw is free to slide backwards and forwards, and it's held in place with wedges. Um, but to glue the arms into the fixed jaw, you have to thread the moving jaw onto the arms first. I forgot to do that. (laughs) So, and I built the whole thing out of teak. And, uh, you know, I've used many different glues on teak, but there's always that. You might want to use epoxy because the oil. And it's like, yeah, I could probably get away with PVA, but why mess with it? You know, I have epoxy, so let's just go ahead and use epoxy. So it's fine. I mixed up my epoxy, got it into the through mortises, and I thread the arms in place. And um, I was kind of stepping back, and I actually this this will show you how bad social is for us i actually stepped back to take a picture of it to put on instagram <laughs> and as i was stepping back looking at it i'm thinking something looks wrong what's here what's wrong with this picture <laughs> and then it was just like oh it's just a <laughs> string of expletives because i was like oh man thank goodness it's west systems so the working time is is huge but here's the problem it's a through mortise and the jaw has to slide up and down that arm. So you've already got epoxy on the part that you now have to thread the part <laughs> over. So I'm whipping out the mineral spirits and like trying to wipe down the epoxy and clean the thing off as much as possible. So I can slide the thread, the little arm, the moving arm back over top of it mm-hmm. and then put the epoxy back in place. And even then it was starting to get a little, little viscous on me. <laughs> I was just like, oh man. So finally what I did is I put blue tape on the, the, the through mortise side, the exposed side and just poured epoxy into the holes and just kind of shoved it in and let it spooge up around the edges. There's Uh, that word again. There you go. (laughs) Uh, So uh, needless to say, we're awake now. um, you know, when you when you apply a uh, a wipe on an oil finish and you have to come back periodically and wipe off the excess, I was just periodically coming back and making sure the jaw would still move, you know, in case it started to stick. Let's break that bond a little bit. So literally, I mean, it's amazing how long West Systems actually takes to set up, which is a really good thing. But when you finally get it in place and you just want the damn thing to set up, it's like, come on now. So, yeah, it was uh, on and off for about six hours before I finally felt comfortable just leaving it alone. And it was all, you know, I dodged the bullet there. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was it was not good because that that would have been truly an unrecoverable um, incident. I would have had to, like, cut apart the thing and start all over and rebuild new arms and rechop mortises in order to make it work. Well, that's one of there those where
1: you like immediately just leave the shop, turn the lights off and walk away. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I'm not even
2: going to, I just, I'm going to, I want to go watch TV, you know? Yeah. Cool. So, but despite that, despite the fact that I had to glue the thing up twice, I still had a bunch of epoxy left over. I, I tell you, man, West systems is great, but because you have to use the full push of the pump mm-hmm. and I don't trust myself to go, Oh, is that a half pump? You right. Know, I still end up with so much epoxy left over. So I ended up like <laughs> painting the end grain with epoxy. And it's just right. like, you find, you find extra stupid epoxy? things to do what with it, I, right? What can I glue something to, you know, it's terrible. Yeah. How much least, epoxy ends up just I, hardening in the Dixie cup.
0: I right. leave stuff out just so I can like do like repairs with extra epoxy, like a bowl yeah. that cracked and it was drying. I'll drop some of the extra epoxy in this crack here or whatever. Yeah. Like what else are you going to do with this? it Is sit up in the cup? Yeah, that's um, true. But you, should get, that. like,
1: uh, you should get molds and you can like, I don't know, make little figures out of them or something. There we go. Let's gummy, keep, keep those around. gummy
0: bears. That's right. Teeth breakers. Yeah,
1: give them to your kids. It'll be fun. <laughs> <That's>,
0: <laughs> right? Nice. I'll send uh, some of your kids too.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, they, they love them. Uh, they chew on epoxy <laughs> all the time. Uh, all right. <laughs> let's get into what's new. Um, Shannon, you want to take the first one here?
2: Yeah, it's actually very appropriate because one of the reasons I screwed uh, screwed up my glue up is because I was listening to the Modern Maker podcast. It's mm-hmm. a new podcast; they actually just released episode four last week. Um, very cool. Uh, but you, if you if you do nothing, go and check out episode three. They have a great conversation on form versus function. Mm-hmm. And um, at first, it may seem a bit like a tired topic, but they really they had some really interesting points that came out of it. So. Um, you got to check it out. Modern Maker Podcast. I like it a lot. A
1: lot. A lot. I have to add that to my growing list. Just keeps getting longer.
2: A <laughs> um, list of podcasts that you subscribe to, but don't actually listen. That's yet. right. I like to keep active
1: subscriptions so they get credit for it. I just don't listen to it. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Let's see. So the next one here is from Wilbur. I also had somebody on Twitter send this to me. Uh, he says a trestle table for Mark, a live edge table for Matt and a video with contrasting woods for Shannon. Uh, fantastic build and this is just a gorgeous trestle table timely because it's actually uh, it, similar if you were to stand from like 30 feet away and look at it it's kind of similar to the one that i built but way way better than mine and uh, <laughs> this guy just does a killer job on it. it's absolutely beautiful and you just it's one of those quiet sort of just enjoy the craftsmanship and watch the this whole thing come together uh then funny the guy on twitter jonathan Uh, tweeted at me and sent me the video. He goes, I mean, yeah, it looks nice, but where's the dimpling? (laughs) (laughs) I had to reply. I said, amateur. Uh, But yeah, it's really good. Well, We'll embed that in the show notes. Go check it out.
2: I like this dovetail wedge thing for the through tenon. Mm -hmm. It's nice. That's slick. Yeah. yeah. This guy knows what he's doing. That is one of those channels that I do subscribe to and watch the
1: videos. I I actually (laughs) didn't subscribe uh, until that point, but I am now. Yeah, really good stuff. All right, kickback. So we've got a three-minute voicemail. You guys know how I feel about those, but this one is telling a story, so I figured it's good, and it gives me an opportunity to finish my donut. So uh, let's have a listen.
3: Hi, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. This is Josh from Alabama again. I got a little kickback for you, or really just a couple of interesting, funny stories for you I thought you might like to know. Um, stories about how your co host there, Mark Spagnolo, stole money from my pocket <laughs> and almost kept me from getting into woodworking and almost ended a 20 year friendship with a good friend of mine. <laughs> and well, how did it happened is two years ago, I'm a guitar player and I always wanted to build my own guitar. And so I got the stuff and finally started doing that. Well, in the process of building this guitar, my mother had seen an grain cutting board and wanted to know if I could build her one. And my buddy at the time had already been in the woodworking for a little bit and I asked him if he knew how to maybe he knew how to build one, how to go about it. And he recommended a good video on it by this guy named The Wood Whisperer. So I went home and I got on YouTube and I checked it out and <clears throat> I just typed in The Wood Whisperer instead of the cutting board and At this time, one of Mark's newer videos was the one where he described him building the, I think it was the Babinga and wingy bed that he made. So that was the video I clicked on. I just wanted to see what his videos were like. And the first thing I see, of course, is this dude in drag fixing to talk (laughs) to me about woodworking. (laughs) So, I called Uh, my friend back. I really had to question my relationship with this friend now (laughs) for 20 years. Saying, this is the cat you wanted me to learn how to build from. So, anyway, fast forward a few years to this past Christmas. Uh, We get our Christmas bonuses at work. And they're a good bit shorter than what they usually have been the past few years. And and a few days later, I'm on YouTube again, and I come across Mark's Honda videos, which, by the way, I work at Honda Manufacturing in Alabama, which is where the Honda Ridge Line is built. I build these. And so I'm like, oh, my God. So I go back to work, and I tell all the guys I work with, I say, guys, I know where our money went. The so wood whisperer got it. So there you go. Just a couple of little short, funny stories for you that, Mark almost kept me from getting into woodworking and ruined a 20 year friendship. And he stole beer money from about 4,000 Rednecks. <laughs> so, I hope you're happy, Mark. But in all seriousness, guys, I, I love the show. I've only been listening about a month now. I absolutely love the show. Y'all do great stuff. And I just want to end with a question for Shannon. Since Mark has sold out now, and Matt has technically sold out now, what company or what product would have to come along for you to accept the big check? Thanks, guys. I love what you do.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that he's I been listening it. for a month and he totally gets us already.
2: <laughs> Seriously, and and well delivered punchline at the end, stealing beer from rednecks. Yeah, wow.
1: you know. Sorry, guys. Uh, you know, you got a man's got to do what he's got to do, right?
2: I guess, you know, that that is a
1: a bit of a liability having that video out there thinking that someone may come across that as the first video they see. I'm probably not going to get a lot of repeat views from that. (laughs) But, you know, I got to say, totally worth it. It I mean, I do it over again. That's true. But maybe not the right kind of views.
2: (laughs) In regards to his question, I love to I love the fact that he thinks that I'm very discerning.
1: (laughs) I was about to say, which manufacturer would he take the big check from? Any of them.
2: (laughs) <laughs> so basically the first one to show up to offer to give me a check. You know? yeah. you, you're talking about a guy who is special, specializing in a niche within a niche within a niche, you know? So, you know, all 30 of my followers, um, will, will probably buy whatever they endorse. So that's my, my sales pitch to that manufacturer. You if you want a quick 30 sales, you know, there you go. That's, that's what you can do. Well, so, and I no. mean,
1: just over the years, we've dealt with advertising and, you know, uh, there's no reason why we can't take on hand tool specific advertisements in this show. I think they would do very well. Um, but notoriously, the – They hand, don't have any money to spend. Like, they don't have the budget and they don't – they just don't bother with it. And, uh, you know, let alone – I mean, if they do anything, they'll probably do like a magazine ad or something. But they don't really advertise on podcasts. So it's it's got to be a tough road
2: for <laughs> Something no, I like mean, I have, I have been approached in the past by things that just don't make sense. Right. Like, the minute that I start endorsing a power tool on my show, I might as well just hang it up. What about at least you know? a mattress? Hmm.
1: Do a mattress ad?
2: I don't know. Only if I could do a video and drag. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> hey, I hear that works well.
1: You want, a, you want a bed ad? How about this?
2: Yeah. I mean, it and but even, even a mattress, I mean, it's got to have some relevance, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you talk about a way to, to just end your career in this business, to just come out with something that has absolutely no relevance whatsoever. So
4: yeah, but not
1: necessarily a lot of people are doing that. I mean, I think the, the, the audience has become more, more, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, I think the audience has become more tolerant of it. I still don't love it. And when we do it, I feel dirty. And I really do want to just keep our you know sponsorships and advertisements on target, but you know we just got an offer again multiple times we've got an offer from like these these uh bed in a box uh, manufacturers, and uh, just like Nicole's like, "I do need a bed <laughs> we need a bed for downstairs <laughs> for when your mom stays i'm like but i don't want to do a mattress commercial you know it's just not it's not my thing but what i'm saying is a lot of uh, folks are doing that and i think the the audience is probably a little more tolerant of it than than maybe in the past
2: well the way i look at it and we're kind of getting off topic well not really but the way i look at it is i have another revenue stream Mm -hmm. i have the hand tool school if i didn't have that i might feel a little bit more you know hey it's it's a different story you know you know, what it, what's what were we were just saying earlier? Don't hate the Don't hate the player, player hate, hate the game. game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, for instance, I got approached by and I'm sure you guys probably got the same email. Lots of people got it, like a garage storage type thing. And it's oh, like, yes. okay, well, I work in a garage, but it's an overhead thing and my yep. ceilings are seven to eight feet tall. If I put overhead storage <laughs> in, I'm six foot four, people. Yeah, Not a good a idea. <laughs> so it just it just doesn't make that sense. Was my same know? response to that one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you know, somebody wants to come along with a big enough check, I will sell out in, a in seconds. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. All right, next uh, kickback Brand comes money. from get, money. Kia money. You want Kia money?
2: <laughs> Toyota money? <laughs>
1: Plenty of car Tesla money. Tesla
2: money? I'll take Tesla money. I'd be. Oh, I take over that, that too.
1: We're looking at solar panels. I could, uh, I could use a little sponsorship there. Those are expensive.
2: Yeah, I see. I could find some relevance to that. The hand tool shop needs to be solar powered. No. You know, we could go off the grid because all I got to do is power my Bluetooth. Um, radio that's right get yourself a little battery in there you'll be fine Or, or Some more appropriately, or the charger for my bluetooth radio <laughs> right
1: all right so nick wrote in he says hey mark i know from a few episodes back you hate sir slabs a lot cremona but have you ever considered adding him to the podcast description only kidding <laughs> of course keep up the great work all right so here's the deal i'll make everyone a deal i will change the podcast description and i think what he's talking about is like the itunes description that's in the feed um, I will change that when I get Cremona's bio, and I'm waiting oh, on yeah. him. I'm waiting on him for the bio. So when he gives that to me,
0: I, th- I thought we decided that I'm the man <laughs> who needs no introduction. That's right.
1: <laughs> maybe maybe that is that is what it is. But uh, I'm I think actually maybe, no, I should do that this week. I, I'm doing it just because I'm I want to delay it and be lazy as well. So uh, uh, when I get that from Mr. Cremona, then you guys will get the updated description.
0: I think that now I've been on the show for a little over a year. I think. We're probably we're probably good to add that now, I you think. You think? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, think I would probably establish what I'm doing with my yeah. life well enough now to write some kind of short descriptive bio that's relevant go. to the listeners. Yeah,
1: just take 30 <laughs> seconds, get it done. Um, all right, let's move into our voicemail. So AJ called in, and uh, let me switch to it because I don't have my normal thing going here. There it is.
4: Hello, guys. Um, Shannon, Matt, and Mark. With a C. Yes. This is AJ from England Woodworking Studio. Uh, I apologize, you haven't heard from me in a while. But um, I'm moving into my first commercial uh, space. And it's very exciting. So I've been very busy. And I also got obsessed with this true crime podcast called Sword and Scale. And I've listened to every single episode just like I did you guys when I found you. Um, anyway, my question um, I got a really good deal on these uh, cabinet boxes. They're cheap. They're covered in white uh, melamine, whatever, and there's no fronts. So I'm going to use them as small uh, one tool cabinets with some drawers in them and all that jazz. My question is can I veneer over the melamine plastic stuff that's already on these cabinets? Will that work? Um, am I crazy? What do you think? Um, can I pull the stuff off and then veneer on it? I think I probably could, but I would suck. So I uh, just wanted to see what you guys thought about that, if I'm just being stupid um, and stuck up, or if uh, this is something that could work. So, guys, thank you very much, and, uh, yeah, have a great show.
1: All right. Well, we do think you're crazy, AJ, but that's got <laughs> nothing to do with your question.
2: Uh, we don't use the word "stuck up" here, though. We prefer "elitist." Elitist, yes. Elitist marketer go.
1: is actually the term we like to throw around. <laughs> um, so, with something like this, uh, to me, the the obvious thing that jumps out is, yeah, you can do this. He would probably want to use a paper backed veneer and contact cement to pull this off, because um, we're not talking about a porous material on the surface. So, as long as that previous layer, the melamine or whatever's on there, is stable, you guys, see any reason why that you know technique isn't going to work?
2: Uh, I've done it before. Um, When I built my router table, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that takes you back. Um, It was, uh, yeah, it was contact cement and it was just, I had constructed the whole thing out of melamine because it was nice and flat and everything. And I not only glued veneer to the top surface, but I also glued uh, glued two melamine panels together to Mm. make a thicker top. Oh, wow. And I mean, shoot. With contact cement between them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um. And that was eight years, I guess, before we finally sold the thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it worked fine. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing you have to worry about is the, the melamine coming away from the particle board, which I don't think will ever happen because there's some sort of like – space-age molecular bonding thing that they do there. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, it's not not my favorite way to go about veneering something, I think, but uh, Mm -hmm. it's not not the ideal situation, but it could could certainly work. Okay. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do one, just like uh, AJ did and some of the kickback we had earlier. Uh, Just call us on Skype. Wood Talk Online is the username, or you can call us at 623-242-5180. And now we are getting into our email. Oh, Shannon, I meant to ask you, do you have any mm-hmm. kind of um, update, like lumber industry stuff?
2: Uh, this week,
1: probably not. No. Okay, we'll save it for next week then.
2: Yeah, I can come up with something. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> See, like I said last week, I try, to, I try not to and try not to be oh. negative on everything. And all the lumber <laughs> news lately is negative, so I don't want to talk about that.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough okie dokie where are we emails okay so uh this is kind of i I cherry picked on this one i think i am going to incompletely answer two questions instead of answering one completely i think
0: that's okay oh nice that's nice
1: (laughs) yeah well the guy i think one of the guys asked a two-parter and i don't want to answer the first one but i do want to answer the (laughs) second (laughs) one all right so i'm being (laughs) very picky about this uh so ron wrote in and he said uh we're going to pretend he didn't say anything before this he says (laughs) (laughs) but he goes uh to add to the big static discharge or static charge debate is a ground wire along the whole run really worth the effort i've heard so many stories positive and negative regarding a small shop thanks guys keep up the great podcast uh the reason i want to bring this up is not because i have any you know really deep scientific knowledge of static electricity and how uh you know whether Uh, it's even effective to to wrap these things in metal and try to actually ground a plastic pipe. But I was watching uh, Jay Bates' video on his dust collection and all the uh, sort of just hullabaloo, let's call it that, that came about when he was just showing this plastic setup. I think he was using like six inch uh, sewer and drain pipe for a clear view system. Pretty standard stuff. But I think... We're so far now into this whole maker movement and this era of, uh, let's see, things don't exist or things don't, haven't, like, that, that existed before YouTube started. That part of history is like just gone. Right, so if it didn't happen on YouTube, it must not have happened, right? So so when you're looking at what some of these people are saying in the comments, it's so clear to me that the extent of their research and knowledge is YouTube. So if it isn't on YouTube, they don't know about it. And what what happens here, and I guess this used to happen in forums too, specifically with this topic, is so many people are basically like telling Jay that he's going to burn his house down there 's going to be an explosion. These plastic pipes, the static is going to discharge, and there's going to be a fire. So I just want to throw my, you know my opinion in this uh you know behind Jay and to support what he said that there is really no risk and the way I look at this is uh, something similar might be like the boiled linseed oil rag uh exothermic reaction you know risk that you run if you just bundle up the rag of oil and put it over in a corner um, that's a real risk and if you look around you'll not only find stories and news articles and just like there's so many documented cases of things burning down because someone left a oily rag bundled <laughs> up someplace right that is a yeah, uh, a very Lots of
2: pictures of burned up wood shops
1: yeah this happens now if anyone within range of uh, my voice right now if you have a story of a home shop dust collector exploding i would love to see it And in all the years that I've been doing this, I have never seen a documented case. And everyone goes back to the grain silo analogy, that grain Mm -hmm. silos explode. There's such a concentration of dust particles in that environment that is not the same as running uh, you know, small amounts of dust through a dust collection system. It's a very different thing. And my, my point is, just by pure evidence of the number of people doing what we do with dust collectors, if no one that you can think of or anyone can document has had an explosion, I'm pretty sure it's going to be fine. You know, just empirical evidence says it's not an issue and then there are also some you know, more science-based reasons why it's ineffective to, you know, to do that whole uh, grounding process on a plastic pipe, um, it really just comes down to a comfort thing. If you get zapped once in a while because you're in a really dry environment and there's a you know, high static, you get zapped once in a while, you might want to try something to help dissipate that, or better yet, just keep the pipe out of arm's reach you know, so you don't accidentally bump into it all the time. Um, so Anyway, I just wanted to give my two cents on that. Because uh, it is like I can't believe at this point we still have people saying this, and none of them are saying it because they actually know anything about it. they're just saying it because they probably heard something at some point, and they think that that you know that he's supposed to be doing that okay, uh, off my soapbox there so uh Harvey also wrote in. And he was uh, typing in a Jewish accent, which was fantastic. (laughs) And then he accidentally hit the enter button. So he says, Oi, I can't believe I hit enter and uh, had to add this as another question. So you guys talk a lot about wood movement and climate humidity change from one locale to another. What do the big furniture manufacturers do when they ship their furniture all over the country? Um, And I actually think this is a really interesting question and I thought I'd actually bring you guys into this as well because I have seen some of that where you think like, okay, well, the, why aren't they having the same kind of problems that we have? Well, number one, a lot of times they're using materials that aren't solid wood. Uh, so depending okay. on what you're building, you may <laughs> think, a lot of people think they have solid wood furniture, uh, and the truth is it's just a veneered sheet good, so they they don't. Uh, now, if you do have solid wood furniture, I think you are still going to have the same sort of risks. But my guess with this, and why this isn't such a huge issue, is we stress about it because we're micromanaging our project, Right? Um, But what we're also doing is building our projects with movement in mind. So we do want to avoid extreme changes in humidity and uh, just general conditions. We want to avoid that as much as possible. But should it happen, if you've built that piece properly, it should be okay because you've allowed for that movement, so the piece isn't going to be under some level of stress to cause problems. So my guess is that's probably what happens here. Either they're not using solid wood, or if they are, they've built it properly, so it's gonna be more stable, and they started with stable, uh, clean material to begin with. So it's a little more than, if we just go pick a couple boards off a stack, you know, maybe the ones we picked actually have a lot of—I don't know—case hardening, or there's something uh, in, inherently wrong with the board that it's going to warp on us. You know, their process is—you know—their throughput is very fast, and there's their material just might be more stable to begin with. So I'm curious, have you guys ever had a manufactured piece of furniture just go haywire on you because of uh, expansion contraction issues?
0: Don't trying for- to think nope. if I have any solid wood furniture that I didn't build.
1: Yeah, maybe that's the better <laughs> question too. I feel the same way.
0: I don't think I
1: have any. And a lot of times, if it is solid wood, kind of like what we might do, you know, it might just be the legs of something that's solid yeah. wood, or the face frame that's solid mm-hmm. wood, and everything you else. See, is, that's what I'm I'm
2: trying to think about. I've got a I've got a china cabinet mm-hmm. that I inherited, but I mean it's it's case construction. I mean, there's not really the wood movement issues are are taken care of yeah. um, because it was built properly mm-hmm. i've got a solid wood dining table but i mean the substructure is really the only thing to worry about and it's mortise and tenon um you know there's really not a lot to screw up there when it comes to wood movement right. um, and the top is attached with um fig- figure eights that's what those mm-hmm. things are called right these things these you know figure eights. jazz hands <laughs> um yeah, <laughs> nice, <geez>. yes <laughs> uh, furniture jazz hands. yeah sure. um I have – so many of the other commercial pieces of furniture are sheet good based. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my ch- kitchen cabinets, they're frame and panel with a, a – a, actually, I'm not certain. I'm pretty sure it's a sheet good panel. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and
1: I, mean, I think you take a manufactured piece that is solid wood and you expose it to an extreme, uh, it probably will react poorly. I mean th- another example is floors. You know, there are some flooring situations that as woodworkers we look at and we go, well, how is that even possible? How are they allowed to make this like monolithic floating layer that isn't just expanding and pushing the walls out? Well, there is movement allowed in there, but in spite of that, because of the changing conditions in homes, you do have buckling. You do have things going on if those rules aren't you know um, uh, obeyed. So I think the same thing could happen with solid wood furniture, but it is built properly. So and you yeah. also are not exposing it to extreme changes. You know, even if you move, think, you know, a lot I think of times. this whole
2: conversation serves to underscore the fact that we tend to stress too much about wood movement. Oh yeah, we tend to think that it's like moving a foot. You know, and it, the fact of the matter is, is it doesn't take a lot to build it properly
1: mm-hmm.
2: so that, you know, you may end up with a cross grain situation that will be OK because it's only going to move a 32nd of an inch. Right. You know, um, because of the, the percentage, because of the width of the board or whatever. And sometimes you can just ignore it. You know, there are other times when you go to museums. Granted, they've been kept in climate controlled environments, but they're not in like stasis you know, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, hermetically sealed and shipped on a, you know, a generation starship out to Alpha Centauri. You know, it's I don't know where that just came from. I guess yeah. your energy. too much sci fi, too much sci fi lately. <laughs> but like you go to go to the Smithsonian, go to the, the DeWitt Wallace Museum in Williamsburg. And you can look at this, this old school 18th century furniture where the top is attached to the base by through pegs you know, it's literally stuck and frozen in place. And occasionally you'll see a crack on like a wide case side, but you know, a lot of times it's just fine. You know, it's structurally sound and it's been sitting in that museum air conditioned environment, which is basically what all of furniture sits in is our climate controlled environment. So I I don't know. I think so much of the time, the whole thing gets overstated. Mm -hmm. Don't ignore it, obviously, but. Don't let it ruin your lives, people. Yeah, build
1: for live it. Live your lives. <laughs> build for it, but don't, uh, don't, don't stress about it that much. You know. Yeah. Okay, Matt, you haven't talked very much today. You should I talk, it. I haven't.
0: Now. Oh, boy. Let's leave a quick question, too. When <laughs> milling lumber, how flat is flat enough at the jointer? Does the face of the board need to be smooth as a baby's bottom or hairy like Mark's before taking the Hey-o! board to the planer? <laughs> or is the occasional low spot acceptable? This is from Eric. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't actually join it all the way till it's flat because it's just easier to have the planer do most of the work for you because that thing has auto feed. Um, so as long as the board is, you know, pretty much stable, it's not gonna be rocking around. You know, you, you got the distortion out of the board, but maybe you still have some mill marks on there from the rough saw. I, you know, go for it. Most of the time when I'm milling anyway, my I usually mill in a few different, um, sessions. So my first milling is gonna be pretty rough anyway. I don't even bother cleaning up all the rough saw faces um, anyway, so. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Just mm-hmm. get it stable enough to go through there without the player deforming it and it should be good to go. Yeah, I think that
1: way you're going to retain more thickness as well. Yeah. I think if you just kind of keep working that one side just to get it dead flat, um, you may wind up ending, ending up with a thinner board when it's all said and done than if you do what you're suggesting. Cool beans. That was a short one, man. I um,
2: <clears throat> like what that. What you guys said. That was good.
1: Nice, concise answer. Very well done. Let's see what Shannon does. Oh boy. I know. I wish I had another donut. <laughs>
2: This uh, comes from Jason Christensen over on our Patreon page. Uh, He's looking at getting a first set of chisels. We all know Mark is a fan of crazy expensive chisels. whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa, whoa, he immediately throws Mark under the bus. Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: (laughs) I have budget-friendly chisels and expensive chisels, and it isn't that I like expensive chisels. I like good chisels, and good chisels happen to be expensive. So let's make sure we label this properly.
2: Okay, we all know Marcus is a fan of crazy expensive chisels, and that wasn't enough, and he had to buy a whole second set of chisels. I have three sets. Give me a break. But I love, I love that it even gets better. But what do normal people start off with? What? What?
1: What? Why is this crap on Mark Day? Come on now. (laughs)
2: Um, Mark, you're still out of touch. I know.
0: I'm so far, not know. reality. look, when you have Seriously, this much Honda stop money,
2: stop stealing beer money from rednecks. I'm telling you, got to do what you got to do. first. Right. So if we look, if we look at the, the extents here on the bottom end, if Marple's chisels are what Nicole would open paint cans with yep. on the other end are the Japanese chisels. What about Wood River? What about Narex? Others need to start off something decent and affordable, but don't want to waste my money. Okay, Um, I will uh, uh, I've changed my opinion on this over the years. I have a I don't have a complete set, but I have a a nice selection of Lee Nielsen chisels. I also have a couple of blue uh, spruce chisels. Mm. They are fantastic, Mm. fantastic stuff. Um, I've used uh, some Japanese chisels before. Awesome. Really, really nice. And I back up what Mark said, you know, high quality stuff is expensive. However, in recent years, I've actually come to find that I much prefer vintage chisels. There's a lot of little things like, you know, the Lee Nielsen chisel, the the very narrow um, flats on the side of the bevel chisels. That's nice when you're in there working in dovetails and things like that. But I also don't find that it's necessarily that big of an advantage. Um, I'm very rarely cutting out waste in that acute corner of a dovetail. Um, Saw yeah, it properly not. and that won't happen. <laughs> um <laughs> now that was not elitist <laughs> but um what i what i have found is the the more mellow steel of vintage chisels it sharpens easier sharpens faster i like the feel of it when it cuts um over some of the you know fancy cryogenically chilled metallurgic wonder type things that are out there now um I actually compare it. I used a little bit of the Veritas uh, PMV 11 stuff, and it's similar. It's just got a more mellow feel when you're cutting with it. When you've got a sharp chisel, you've got a little bit more um, tangible response. Mm -hmm. But what's crazy is I have yet to meet a vintage beat up rusty chisel that with a little bit of work can't be restored into something I've never, I've never said, oh man, this edge is terrible certainly there are outliers where somebody has burnt an edge and the steel has lost its temper. Um, And you you certainly have to watch out for that, but I've never really been in a situation where I'm like, boy, I wish this chisel was better quality. Now I say that and there's lots of people going, yeah, but you know, there's a lot of work required. There's, there's no doubt. And believe me, I hate restoring tools. That is the last thing in the world that I want to do. But I think with, a little bit of screening, a little bit of pickiness on your part. There's certainly no lack of vintage chisels on the market. Um, you, you have to be careful um, how much time you need to spend in flattening the back. But at the same time, I've heard the same thing about Wood River chisels. I've heard the same thing about Nerex chisels. Um, you talk to 10 people about Narex chisels, five of them will say, I didn't have to do any flattening in the back. And the other five will say, I took three hours to flatten the back. You know, the same thing will happen with Wood River. They're good quality chisels but I don't know. I I think that we are overstating just how nice the chisel has to be. Mm -hmm. And if you're just starting out, I see no reason to necessarily go crazy on this. Um, you hear people say all the time about how don't buy a set to start with, kind of buy the chisels that you need. I recommend quarter three eighths and a one inch wide chisel to start with a good spectrum of your, your primary joinery, and then a wider one for pairing pick up a couple of vintage ones. If nothing else, maybe you're out 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you can over time say, you know what? I really I like the socket as compared to this Tang style. I like Japanese as compared to Western style. And you've developed kind of an empirical working experience about why you feel that way. But it's crazy because I have a lot of very nice chisels. And invariably, I will end up reaching for some 18th century firmer chisel. And it's still my favorite chisel is this one and a half inch wide, like long firmer chisel. I don't know who made it. I think it's a buck brothers. Maybe I have no idea, (laughs) but it it cuts better than anything else I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, yeah. So anyway, it's, it's weird because I'm not normally a big, like go vintage type guy. Um, but when chisels, I just think we overstate the importance of some of the added features that the new market has assigned Mm -hmm. to chisels.
1: You know, I've got a pretty large selection of chisels and I think I need to pare it down. Ah, Ah! what do you think of that? terrible i've been working on I that for the last a, five minutes I think
2: it's a bad idea
1: <laughs> i actually some do have, have a lot of chisels for shop what i'm gonna yeah, do because I've, I've got a nice uh new set of, of narex chisels that need to just get a little tune up and test them out so i can give some opinions on them but i actually do have quite a few chisel mismatches and i think i'm in need of just kind of cleaning it up and giving away the ones i'm not using so uh maybe i don't know maybe this uh who is it jason maybe i could send you some of my old chisels how about that there you go. Maybe not. Wow. I might nice. get greedy and then decide I just want them. Okay. <laughs> so if you want to um, check out the extra show that we're about to record, $4 and higher patrons get access to that immediately after this show. If you can't get enough of us, you want a little bit more. That's a way to do it. And we got a question from our uh, our friend Dan here, and he wants to know what our least favorite species are to work with and why. So we're going to discuss that a little bit after we get done here. So um, if you want to support the show, you can, of course. I just mentioned Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. You could uh, go to www.store.com and pick up a Wood Talk t-shirt, or you could leave us a review in the iTunes store. Shannon, how about you give them that contact info and we'll get out of here.
2: Fair enough. If you have comments, questions, and want specific grooming tips for trimming your butt hair, there are Mm -hmm. several ways that Mm -hmm. you can can get those tips. Have your wife do it. (laughs) Oh, there's (laughs) one right there. She must like it. She married it. It's her job now. So that's uh, why you get free donuts. Mm-hmm. Oh See? man.
0: This is such a great show.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Butt Fetish in the Cremona House. <laughs> Mark and there's a show title right there, <laughs> Harry Butt Fetish. <laughs> so anyway, leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Woodtalk Online. You can call us at 623 242 5180 or leave us a, a note, a text thingy um, via our fancy contact form. I don't know what to call it. Type. What an old that's, man. That's what it is when you type things out.
1: Adam, dot
2: com slash contact. Just go there and type stuff. <laughs> okay, there you go. First person who types stuff gets Mark's chisels.
1: Yay! All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with the image on your mind. <laughs>